As you're being seated, if you'll find your Bible and open it up to Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter 11, let me ask you this question. What is your morning routine when the alarm goes off? Some of you are frantics in the morning. You like to sleep in as long as humanly possible, squeezing out every minute of sleep that you possibly can get. Anybody like that? And so, as soon as the alarm clock goes off, you're up, you're at it. I mean, you're like the Jetsons getting dressed. You just kind of fly through the shower and the clothes come on and you're like yelling at the kids, we got to get going. And you, you're out the door at, with as short of time as possible between the time you get up and the time that you leave. Some of us are coffee addicts. Anybody a coffee addict in the morning? You know, you, you get up and you kind of stagger over to the coffee pot, and, and before, until you've drank two cups, you really don't want anybody to talk to you, you know, because you stayed up too late the night before, so you're going to substitute coffee for sleep, right? Fair trade, so that's just how it works. Some of us are morning people. Do I have any morning people in the room today? You know, you're up three hours early, You've already done your workout, done a little bit of yard work, then you return to the house to wake up the kids to get them ready to go to school, and you know, by the time the kids are going to school, it's mid-morning for you. Uh, no matter how you start your day, we all face similar challenges throughout the day. You have things to do. You have places to go. You have expectations to meet. So how, how are you going to meet these expectations with focus, calm, and spiritual strength. Take a moment and identify in your mind one or two people that you would consider to be a really spiritually mature person. Let's go ahead and think about somebody from your life journey that, that they really strike you as someone who is spiritually mature. I would venture to guess that the person that you are envisioning is one of those rare individuals that can bring focus, calm, and spiritual strength into any circumstance in life. So where does that come from? Where do we get this spiritual strength to bring into the different circumstances of life? It comes from God. Specifically, it comes from spending time with Him experiencing the peace that He can bring to our lives. Last week we looked at Mary and Martha. You remember it's one of the great stories of the Bible. Jesus is sitting in their living room for a meal, and Martha is angry. She's busy. She gets emotional. She gets envious. She has all these things to do, and she is missing out on Jesus sitting in her living room. Meanwhile, her sister Mary had left the busyness behind to sit at Jesus' feet and just listen. So Martha comes to Jesus and she says, tell her to get up. Tell her to get back and join me and help me. we got all these things to do. Look, everybody needs a refill. Tell her to get up. And Jesus says to her, no, she's made the right choice. She's done the right thing. She has left the busyness to be a worshiper. You see, spending time in prayer and worship must be priority in our lives. Before you can connect with your world, you must first connect with your God. Before you can bring calm and focus and spiritual strength into your world, you must first receive that from your Lord. 
And so in Luke chapter 11 and verse 1, we see an abbreviated version of what we normally refer to as the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer. Begin reading in verse 1. He was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, Whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us, and do not bring us into temptation. I've discovered as a pastor that one of the areas where people often struggle in their spiritual journey is the subject that I'm talking about today called prayer. Now, we agree that prayer is important. I mean, how can you badmouth prayer? Everybody, everybody agrees that prayer is important, and people agree that we ought to pray, and, and we have coffee mugs with prayer on it and T-shirts with prayer on it. So we, we have agreement about the importance of it, and we're pretty good at flare prayers. You know what a flare prayer is? It's when you're in, trouble, you're in trouble and you kind of shoot a flare up into the sky and say, God, help! You know, you've got, a, you've got a meeting with your boss today. You're like, Lord, I need your help. I need your wisdom. You have a test going on at school. And you're like, Lord, I haven't studied for this exam, but I pray that you, the omniscient one, will fill my mind with your knowledge so that I might do well on the test. And you kind of throw up a flare prayer asking God for his help. We're pretty good at that, but most of us struggle with daily prayer. Most of us struggle with having a daily time of prayer in our lives where we just connect with God. So why? Why is it that we struggle with prayer? Why is something so basic in our spiritual journey often a struggle for us? Well, let me give you several reasons why I think we struggle with prayer. Number one, we misunderstand it. We see prayer as us talking to God, but in reality, prayer should be viewed as a conversation that we have with God. You say, Lash, are you going to get a little bit odd on me and start talking about God speaking and then you're going to start handling snakes and stuff like that? No, I'm saying that God speaks to us through His Holy Spirit whenever the still small voice of the Spirit begins to stir your heart. And God also speaks to us through His Word. And so one of the things that I encourage people whenever you're having your daily time of prayer is that you also incorporate the reading of the Word of God into it. And so uh, you might begin by reading a couple chapters of Scripture and then having a time of prayer. And I think one of the things you'll discover is that not only are you talking to God, but God also begins talking to you. You see, in our mindset, we often envision prayer as, this is how I convince God to do what I need Him to do. But often, prayer is about God bending you so that your will conforms to His will. And what He does is He begins to shape us and mold us as we have these deep conversations with our Lord. Secondly, I think sometimes we struggle with prayer because we view it as a competition. And this is really prevalent in American Christianity because a lot of things in our nation are competition-based, and so we see winners and losers when it comes to prayer. Here's how this breaks down. Winners are the people that get God to do stuff. 
And losers are the ones who, when they pray, it just seems like God never really does anything. And so you start thinking to yourself, well, either I'm a winner or I'm a loser whenever it comes to prayer. And what happens often is, is those that, that, that don't think that they really have any connection, they begin outsourcing their prayer. Okay? It doesn't work for me, but you know, Steve over here, he's, he's got a connection. So what I'll do is whenever I have things to pray about, I'll go to Steve and I'll let him pray on my behalf. And certainly... The scriptures teach us that we should pray for one another. It's a wonderful thing to bring your requests for other people to pray about and for us to extend love and care and to go to the Lord together in prayer. But your prayer life is not something that you can outsource. Your prayer life is not a competition where you either win or lose. Your prayer life is your time with God. It's sitting at Jesus' feet hearing from the Lord, talking to the Lord, spending time with your Lord. Nobody can do that for you. Thirdly, I think that sometimes we substitute other things for prayer. Things like surfing the internet, uh, spending time catching up on social media, exercise, listening to music, reading a good book, taking in some peaceful scenery, laughing with friends, Now, all these things are good things. I think we need those type of things in our lives, but I want you to realize that none of them take the place of daily time with God. None of those good things take the place of prayer and devotion. And just a little aside, I won't talk about this long, but I'm thankful for all the good Christian books out there and Christian videos and those that blog. But realize also that reading Christian books doesn't take the place of reading the book. Often we spend so much time devoting on various things that human beings have written when we need to spend more time reading what the Holy Spirit of God has brought to us in His Word. There's a fourth reason why I think people don't pray, and this is probably the reality for most of us. We think we're just too busy. There's just so much to do. I have so many inputs, and, and, and Lash, I, I know that prayer's a good thing, and I, I get you, but, but I just don't have time for it. I'm just too busy, too much happening. Well, you know that this is where you are if you've already checked out on the sermon, because it's about prayer. And I say this firmly, and yet at the same time lovingly, if you're too busy for God, you're too busy. If you're too busy to spend some time with God, you need to evaluate your schedule. You need to look at how you're spending your time. And you need to make some changes in your life. Because you cannot be too busy to spend time with your Heavenly Father. Now, whenever we crank up the energy and we say, I'm just going to go, 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 and I don't have time for prayer. Yeah, you may get some things done. But here's what will happen in your life. You'll lack wisdom. You'll make decisions, but those decisions will be lacking in wisdom. You won't have calm. You won't have focus. You won't have peace. You won't have spiritual strength. You see, it's very easy for us to become human doings rather than human beings. Before you do, you be. God designed you 
to need recharging, to need to spend time with Him. And so Jesus takes time to pray. And I want us to look at Luke 11 today and identify several things about prayer that we learn from Jesus Himself. The first thing is this. Jesus always took time to pray. Look at verse 1. He was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray, and so Jesus' disciples come to him and say, Lord, we see that prayer is important to you. Would you teach us, too, how to pray? In Luke chapter 3, when Jesus was baptized, in the middle of his baptism, he was praying. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus had a big decision to make. He was going to call the 12 disciples. And before he made that big decision, Jesus took time to pray. In Luke chapter 9, he was at a transition point in his ministry. And he was on the mount that we call the Mount of Transfiguration. And in the middle of that transition point, he took time to pray. In Luke chapter 5, the Bible tells us this about Jesus. That he often withdrew to a private place to pray. If Jesus, the Son of God, turned to prayer to find the strength to navigate the maze of life here on earth, how much more do you and I need prayer? How much more do you and I need the strength of prayer to bring to our lives the wisdom and focus and spiritual maturity needed to deal with the responsibilities of life. Secondly, prayer renews your perspective. Look at verse 2. He said to them, whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy, your kingdom come. About a year ago, I was privileged to have lunch with one of my heroes of the faith, James Leo Garrett. He was my theology mentor in seminary and We were at the table, and another one of the individuals there at the table was bemoaning his adult son and his son's decisions. Anybody ever do that? You ever uh, bemoan your children's decisions? Yes. And so uh, Dr. Garrett looks at him, and he says, uh, uh, you know, he's doing that because he's trying to establish his own name. That's natural. And it is natural. That at some point in life, you begin to leave the family of your birth. Now, you don't have to rush it. Society often says, hey, this is the magic number, and you've got to do it right now whenever you reach that age. You don't have to rush it. You can follow the Holy Spirit's leadership in your life with that. But whenever you're 40, and your mom's still doing your laundry and making you chocolate chip pancakes while you play video games, maybe it's about time to, you know, launch into life. Well, prayer is not about leaving home. Prayer is about coming home. You see, one of the great joys whenever you've launched into life are those moments whenever you come home and you say, hey, dad, hey, mom, I'm back. Here I am. And Jesus says, we come to God and we begin by saying, father, dad, my father, here I am. I've come home. I've been out living my life. I've been fulfilling the responsibilities that you have given me, and now I am coming home to spend time with you. Yet at the same time, we also have to remember 
who our Father is. Our Father is the one whose name is completely pure. There is no sin in His record. There is no corruption in His agenda. And so when we come before our Father and we seek His wisdom and we seek His strength and we desire to spend time with Him, we're spending time with our Father who completely loves us with a holy, pure love that desires His very best for every area of our lives. Let's also remember He's the King of kings. And as the King of kings, nothing is beyond His reach. Your life is within His kingdom. Your world is within His kingdom. And so when you come before your Father, you are coming before the King. And also, He's a King who will come again. Thy kingdom come. You see, all, all the problems of this world are temporary. One day, Christ will come again, and the shalom of creation will be restored. One day, the problems that seem to consume us today will be wiped away, and there will be no more pain and no more sorrow and no more tears, because one day, Christ will restore the balance of His creation. So prayer allows us to regain our perspective as we remember who we are, and we remember who our Lord is, And we go back home and we spend time with the Father. Thirdly, prayer helps us focus on what is rather than what might be. Look at the verse there in verse 3. It says, give us each day our daily bread. So there's two uh, emphasis here. I mean, two, two, two reiterations of the same emphasis. One, give us each day our daily bread. And notice the object. The object is something so simple as bread. The basic sustenance that we need to get through the day. And as we come to the Heavenly Father, we simply ask Him to give us what we need to get through today. Anyone disturbed by the military helicopters that were flying over Murphy Wiley Sachse about a week ago? Anybody hear those flying over your houses, yeah, we were in the living room, and we hear this sound going on, and we look outside, and there's these three big helicopters flying over the house. I have a four-year-old, Bennett, who loves helicopters and construction things, so we were like, Bennett, wake up, get out here, you need to see this, and you know, he was looking at it and taking it all in, thinking it was incredible, but then we went back in the living room, and Stacy was looking at Facebook, and she said, uh, People are like going nuts on Facebook right now, wondering what these things are. And there was all sorts of speculation. You know, are we going to war? Is there an invasion coming on? You know, know, what's happening here? Why are these military helicopters flying over our homes? And eventually the, the police department sent out a message that it was, I believe, the Garland PD that was doing some training activities. And that's what that was all about. But people were people were speculating. Is this the end of the world? Quick, get the kids out of the house before the Lord comes back. You know, uh, is this it? And I think often we, we spend so much time focusing on what we fear might happen. Focusing on our speculation and anxiety begins to fill up within, fill, fill up within us. And we're so scared about what might be happening that we neglect what is happening. We worry about tomorrow's bread, next month's bread, and our retirement bread to such a degree 
that we neglect our daily bread. And God says, come to me for your daily bread and come to me each day for your daily bread. In life, we have oceans, lakes, and ponds. Oceans are full of all those things that you have absolutely no control over. You read about it on the news. You sometimes worry about it. But you have no control over it. There's really nothing you can say or do to make a difference. God has not chosen to give you any responsibility in those areas of life. Those are the oceans of life. And then there's the lakes of life, a little bit smaller area, where you have some influence, but usually it's minimal. Take, for example, the election back in November. You have one voice, one vote. Now, you can exercise your right to vote. You can speak your opinion. But ultimately, it's a lake. You have a little bit of influence in something that is a lot larger than you. And any of us who live for any amount of time will have times when the election goes our way and times where it goes the way we didn't want it to go. That's a lake in life. And then there are the ponds, those areas of life over which God has given you responsibility. Those people in life that God has called you to love. Those ministries in life that God has called you to be a part of. Those responsibilities that require your attention. What happens is that sometimes we worry so much about the ocean and so much about the lakes that we neglect our pond. Meanwhile, our pond is overgrown with weeds. Snakes are slithering into the pond. Fish are like floating on the top of it. Your pond needs attention. But you've been worrying so much about those things that God hasn't given you control over, those things that you have no control over, those are the areas that you simply have to trust God for. Lord, I trust you that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so I place my faith in you in those areas that you haven't called me to have responsibility over. I place my faith in you in those areas that are troublesome, but I can't do anything about it. And Lord, I pray that you will give me my daily bread, that which I need to take care of what you've given to me, and to do it in such a way that it brings honor and glory to you. Give me my daily bread, Lord, that I might be the person that you've called me to be. And I encourage you, don't envy somebody else's life. Don't envy somebody else's family, somebody else's spouse, the calling that they've given, been given, or even the platform that they have. Simply take care of your pond. Take care of what God's given to you and do it well. Fourth, prayer helps me to forgive others. Look at verse 4. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone in debt For we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. And forgive us our sins. Well, we like that part. Lord, forgive me my sins. The next part we try to mumble. For we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. Please, please, don't live life angry. Don't be a bitter person. Here's what happens whenever anger takes up residence in your soul. When anger starts sitting in your lazy boy and watching your direct TV, 
eventually anger turns into bitterness. Eventually, you become a person that everywhere you go, you just spew bitterness. bitterness, Because there's areas in your life that are unresolved. There's forgiveness that needs to be extended. You say, Lash, you don't know what they've done to me. No, I don't. But I do know what Jesus has done for you. I do know that Jesus, through His grace, has extended forgiveness to each of us. And I believe that grace is not to be hoarded. Grace is to be extended to others as well. And the same forgiveness that we receive from God, we can extend to others as well. Forgiveness does not mean that there are not consequences for actions in life. Forgiveness does not mean that you don't need to have wise boundaries, that sometimes you need the Holy Spirit's direction and forming. There are times where you need boundaries, and there are times where you can't undo the consequences, but you can make a decision that you're not going to be angry. You can make a decision that you're going to take that and you're going to give it to the Lord, and you're going to ask Him to cleanse your soul of the anger, you cannot undo the past. But you don't have to live in the past. And your future, your future does not have to be defined by what's already happened to you. Release the anger. Refuse to be a bitter person. Forgive the debt. Say, Lord... I need you to take this issue because I want to start living again. I don't want to live shackled to my past. I don't want to live bound by anger. Just as you've forgiven me, help me too to have that forgiving spirit. Fifth, prayer gives me strength to overcome temptation. Jesus ends with these words, and do not bring us into temptation. And do not bring us into temptation. Well, the world's solution to temptation is one of two things. If you're conservative, the solution to temptation is stop it. Just don't do that. It's foolish. What are you thinking? Just don't go down that road. If you're liberal, your solution to temptation is don't worry about it. Just go with your heart. Just do what you want. It's okay. It's your life. Nobody can tell you what to do. Don't judge me, man. Okay? Now, here's the problem with the liberal solution. My behavior has consequences. If I just go with the flow, if I just do whatever I want, if I just kind of live life on my own terms and I become a god unto myself, I will eventually bear the consequences of my behavior. And also, you're not Gilligan. God didn't call you to live life on an island under yourself. Your life impacts other people. And whenever you make foolish decisions, selfish decisions, I promise you this, you will hurt the people that you love the most. Sometimes you'll hurt them in ways that last a lifetime. Now, here's the problem with the conservative solution. I often lack willpower. I want to not do it. I don't want to go there. I try. But I just don't have the strength to avoid the temptation. I'm trying real hard to lose my baby weight. Camden's over a year now. 
But then my wife brings into the house Hershey miniatures. Who could avoid a Mr. Goodbar or a crackle? You know what I'm saying? I can avoid the dark chocolate all day long, but the Mr. Goodbars, man, I succumb to that temptation every single time. But the good thing is I can be like Adam and I can say, Lord, it was the wife you gave me that brought these into, into the house. And then I can, you know, pass off the, the responsibility, okay? The reality is this. You need the Holy Spirit solution. There are areas in your life where you face temptation and some of them are not funny. Sometimes it's things like, Pornography, extramarital affairs, gambling, greed, alcoholism. The list goes on and on and on. All of them at some level rooted in pride and selfishness. And Jesus says we need to go to God every single day and say, God, deliver us from temptation. Don't let me go down that path because if I do, I disgrace your name and I bear the consequences of sin in my life and it will also overflow me and impact the people around me. Lord, deliver me from temptation. This Thursday was National Day of Prayer and I hope that Each of you took time to pray for our country. Our country needs our prayers. Pray for those that are in leadership. Ask God to grant them wisdom. You say, I missed National Day of Prayer. It's okay, you can still pray for your country, okay? You know, it's not like just one day that you can do it. You can pray today as well. But I hope that every day you'll embrace this incredible gift that God has given us called prayer. In Philippians, God told us, do not worry about anything. God, how is that possible? Because God said, instead of worrying, pray. Every day, pray. And I believe this. If, you, if you'll carve out 30 minutes of your day, 30 minutes, I call it the indispensable 30, where you pray and read your Bible, and you just spend time sitting at the feet of Jesus, worshiping. It might be in the morning. Say, I'm not a morning person, not happening, Lash. How about in the evening? We don't have to be legalistic about this. 30 minutes a day where you open the Bible, read some scripture, talk to God, begin developing a prayer list, a prayer journal where you write out some of the things that you're praying about and then look back on those journals and see how God has worked. And after praying, read the Bible some more. You may enjoy bringing in some music into that time, some Christian music that connects you and sets your mind on those things that are above. And you just carve out that time in your life where you just spend time sitting at the feet of Jesus, the indispensable 30. Here's my challenge for you this week. Every day this week, say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to spend 30 minutes a day each day this week in prayer, Bible reading, spending time with God. I think you'll find that if you start doing that, if you start making that priority in life, you'll find very quickly that it's an indispensable 30. And you'll begin discovering that when you take time to connect with God, it changes the way that you connect with other people. It changes the way that you connect with life. 
And you'll be an individual who brings a calm, a peace, a spiritual maturity into every area of your life. Would you be so kind as to stand with me, please, as we bow our heads together. The band's going to come. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. Thank you, Lord, that each day we can come home to you and we can take time to talk with our Father and just abide in your presence. Help us, Lord, not to get so busy that we are too busy for you. But help us, Lord, to realize the invaluable, the invaluable gift that prayer is to spend time with you. Father, there are so many voices that tell us this is what we're supposed to be doing and this is who we're supposed to be and this is what we're supposed to look like. And if, if we don't fulfill all those expectations, then we don't measure up. And Lord, sometimes all we need to do is forget the busyness and spend time with you. And be the people that you desire us to be. Father, I pray that you might give us our daily bread. Lord, grant us the strength that we need to make it through today. And the wisdom that we need to make the decisions that you have brought to us today. Help us, Lord, not to seek another's life. Help us, Lord, to live the life that you've given us. Father, I pray that we won't be angry people. I know in this room there's hurt, there's guilt. I know in this room there are strained relationships within families. I pray, Lord, that the same forgiveness that we have received can be extended to others. And I pray that you will help us to realize that we don't have to live a victim of our past. And we don't have to live bound by anger. We pray for victory as you deliver us from temptation. We pray, Father, that we might have the strength, the strength to follow you, to make the wise choice, the strength to overcome. And I thank you, Lord, for this church, for people that I consider family for friends that will walk the journey with me. Thank you, Lord, for the upcoming laughter and celebration that we'll enjoy today. Because when I'm with my church, I'm reminded that I'm not alone. There are people that love me, that know me, and walk the journey with me. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the beautiful gift called prayer. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.